Hey guys, welcome back to the, another episode of the Winners Club Podcast, where even when we don't win, we learn, and learning is a form of winning, so technically we're always winning, but I got a real big treat for you guys today. I have a special guest, and before I introduce her, my name is Brian Tran, and I have my amazing co-host here, PJ. How you doing, guys? Back here in Bay. So over here, I have Ina Rubinchik. Hey, everyone. When you think of luxury, you think of her. When you think of money, you think of her. When you think of traveling, her. And when you think about leasing a property in San Francisco, you're going to think of her because she branded leasing agent 415 perfectedly, right? And so welcome on to the podcast. Thanks Thank so much you. for being here. Thank you. Very kind words. Well, I'm going to go right into it. She's an amazing person. we got a jam-packed episode. And we're going to talk about a bunch of things from her humble beginning to building such a large rental portfolio to building a big brand where she leases some of the most amazing properties in San Francisco, 15, 20, $30,000 properties. And all while having two beautiful boys, raising them right and traveling for what? Four months out of the year. I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Once a month for a few days. Yeah. Oh, lovely. The dream. The 2022 goal was to get the fuck out of San Francisco yeah. Is that okay to say? That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> every chance I get. So every time my boys have a day off, a couple of days off here and there, we try to go somewhere and just uh, explore a new territory, new country, new state, new mountain, whatever it takes. So that's uh, that's how we had 36 flights last year. 19 of them were international. So we're going to talk about how you afford all this stuff, <laughs> but let's take the crowd back a little bit and let's talk about, you know, your beginnings. Where are you from? How, you know, and all that, and I'll let you take the rain. So I'm from Russia. I came here in the 90s, and I was a teenager. I went to high school in Albuquerque, New Mexico, of all places. And uh, that's where my family still lives. And uh, I went to college, and in 2003, I married my husband on the way to San Francisco. We stopped by in Vegas, had a quick wedding, and uh, moved over here and been here ever since. It's been 20 years. And the next segment for you guys later on, we're going to talk about how do you stay married for 20 years. <laughs> I think you're celebrating 20 years uh, this year. Yes. That's a big congrats. accomplishment. <laughs> so take us back. College, Albuquerque, not a big city. How, like, at what point, let's go through the journey here, because a lot of people listening are probably in cities that are not happening, right? Why did you leave? And did you already have aspirations to become the person you are today? Or did you kind of just take it and adapt it as you kind of took on life? Absolutely. I think being uh, being able to adapt to new things that life throws you away is the number one quality. That's what will make you successful. Um, in, two th- in 1999, when I met my husband, um, I was in Albuquerque. I was in college. We dated long distance for a long time. And he lived in on the East Coast, and he moved to San Francisco. And when I graduated college, we just drove by Vegas, got married. And How did you meet him? I met him online. Back was, in 1999? Yes. I was girl number four on this website that doesn't even exist anymore. Oh, wow. And uh, he emailed all four girls, <laughs> and I was the one. <laughs> <laughs> Those are good he odds, did, though. Hey, know. he knew the numbers game well. See, that's another thing. He <laughs> knew the numbers game. It's going to yeah. work. So we dated long distance for four years. He lived in New Jersey initially. I lived in New Mexico. We flew back and forth quite a bit, and then he moved to San Francisco, and I started coming up here. So it was it was interesting. Um, wow. it's, it's kind of commitment, but when you know, you know, 
you know, we never really thought, oh, we're going to get married, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. It just kind of happened naturally. I think when things are meant to be, they're easy. And mm. this relationship has always been easy. That's why we've been married for so long. We've been together for 24 years. For sure. For 20. And it's just, it's just easy. You understand each other. You're on the same wavelength. I think it's really important for people not only to have the common present and common future, but common past. So you have the same values mm. and same ideas and same, um, same, same core, really. So he's also from Russia. He's from Siberia. Really you know, got himself out of there, got free MBA here in the United States. Um, and he's gone through quite a bit of a challenge in his life to become to where to become who he is today. I want to ask you, you said when you know, you know, mm-hmm. what, how do you describe that feeling? It's the feeling of ease. It's a feeling of not having to think about it, not having to stress about it. It's just it just flows. It just happens. It's always been Ever since I was young, 18 or so, I've always had that sense of flow where life is just easy. You know, you, as I was telling you earlier, you, you, you're going somewhere and you think, oh, I will have that parking spot right in front. And you come up and you drive up and somebody leaves right in front of you and you have that parking spot. Or you drive somewhere, all, this, all the traffic lights are green. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is in life in general. When you are in that state, somehow when things are meant to be, Mm-hmm. When something's meant to be yours, there there will be no obstacles. Yeah, I love that. I think that's powerful. I think you know manifesting an easier life for you. Not saying that it's going to be easy by any means, but yeah, you know, there's certainly issues. There are certainly situations. There are certainly problems that you mm-hmm. have to solve and deal with, and you have to know to deal with it right away. You never sweep it under the rug. You never sort of right. You just take it head on, solve the problem, and move on. Because the last thing you want to do is when you have that something heavy on your chest or something that's really bothering you need to do and you keep delaying it, that takes your frequency down quite a bit. Yeah. Things stop flowing in your life. That's powerful. Oh, on one sec too, uh, Ina, can we have you pull the mic just a little bit closer to you? There you go. Awesome. That sounds great. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. 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 We'll edit that out. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's awesome. I am, you know, thank you for sharing that. I want to ask, this this is a topic that me and Brian do mention to each other a lot, but we say relationships and business and dating and, you know, everything is like the same. Would you agree with that, that statement or? Well, I agree that it should be easy, right? Mm-hmm. It, you have to, and, and what I'm trying to get to the audience to understand is because I don't know if that's a, a intuition that you have. Do you think that's an intuition that only you have or only a certain amount of people have? Or is that something that we can teach uh, I to, think everybody has aware. that, yeah. but I think not everybody knows how to l- how to hear it, mm. how to hear what's going on in your head because we're constantly in our phones. The first thing people do when they wake up, they grab their phone and they're scrolling through whatever they're scrolling through, Instagram, I don't know, TikTok. But what's really important is to wake up in the morning and take that time, snooze your, snooze, snooze your alarm and it gives you that those extra eight minutes Yeah, and just lay there and listen to what's going on in your head because by... Throughout the night, your mind sorted all your problems from yesterday, and your mind is quiet. You may have some tunes playing or something. <laughs> so, so my thing is, I on, on my drive to the gym, mm-hmm. that is when I uh, align myself. See, right? I don't turn my phone on. I wake up, I take, I drive my kids to school, I come home, take some time, and by the t- bef- and, and that's probably at least forty five minutes. I haven't looked at my phone yet. 
I mean, I've looked at it, but I haven't turned it on. Right. And it's in the airplane mode. And when I'm having coffee, then I turn it on. I read all my emails and whatever is going on. Nothing is that important that needs to disturb me that early in the morning. I want to take my time. And that's how you hear yourself and you hear your intuition and you know what's right or what's wrong. This is when you ask yourself those deep questions because we know all the answers to everything. Yeah. We just need to listen. It's sort of like you go to a casino. I learned that when I was 18. I was in the casino for the first time in my life. Um, I'd ask myself, first time I played a roulette, red or black. And when um, they spin the wheel, I'm like, red or black. And if I'm able to catch that answer, I'd be like black. I walked away. I came in with 40 bucks. I walked away with almost $500 that day. I was 18. You should have told us this before we went to Vegas. <laughs> I, I was going to roulette. But I used that same But you have to be very quiet and you yeah. have to listen You know, and catch that answer. I actually work with the psychologist slash shaman on how to basically take that nanosecond and you know how you expand it on your phone a picture when you zoom in this is what i want to do i want to expand that moment and i want to read the answer mm-hmm. not just sense it because usually yeah. we, we are if we're lucky we sense that answer mm-hmm. but read the answer read the fine print i really like that i think that's really powerful it's funny because it's, we have you know on and, and we talk about this the way that she describes it we i do it too i just never actually thought about it and said okay wow that's it's, it's the same intuition. Mm-hmm. I may do it a little bit differently. I kind of, on my drive, I talk to myself a lot. I'm mm-hmm. not crazy. Mm-hmm. But I, I I run scenarios in my head. And I, I told you guys this when I, when I started business. I run the good. I run the bad. And I, I literally have a full-on conversation mm-hmm. with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so, guys, it's you're not crazy. It's always good to talk to someone you love. Yeah, you're not crazy. <laughs> if you're talking to yourself, you're not crazy. It's yeah. only if you're talking out loud to yourself. Uh, I do that too, so. Yeah, <laughs> and when I, have a, when I have a problem, I'm thinking, okay, so here's a solution A, and then there's solution B. And if A, then it's C and D. And if it's D, it's Z and K, and it's yeah. this and this. And then once I have it all solved in my head, then I can calm down. I'm like, okay, so I'm prepared for anything that can come out of this problem. Any further issues or any complications, I'm prepared. I know exactly what I'm going to do, and that's it. I let it go, and I put it in some box and uh in my head and then it goes um, i think I'm, that's I'm ready i think that's really great i think a lot of people out there um mess up on this because they only think of like two two outcomes they're what's the worst thing that could happen and what's something like maybe kind of good but they're never like really weigh out all their uh all their options and i think that's where people need to start being like really start seeing every single outcome in their head before really making your decision on, on how you feel about it. I, I use the analogy of you have to play chess. Yeah. Patrick mm-hmm. David has a book called Your Next Five Move or Next Seven Moves. You have to run all the scenarios in your head. You can't mm-hmm. just play one step at a time because that's how you get stuck. Mm-hmm. You need to look. That's why, like, back in the days before maps and navigation, for them to see where they were going, they, they had to get somebody up on the top and look down, mm-hmm. right, and say, okay, that's if we go this way, we're going to run into the river and all that stuff. It's the same thing with your life. You shouldn't take things one step at a time. Mm-hmm. I got, I, you know, I, I went on a panel the other day and, and the guy was like, I'm just going to attack what's in front of me. I said, if you do that in 2023, you're going to, you're, you're basically leading everybody to be broke. Mm-hmm. Like you need to figure out what, like, what do you want? How are you going to get there? And all the, you should foresee and foreshadow as many problems. It's when problems. you're attacking what's in front of you, you're being reactive. Yeah. And you need to be proactive. That's right. That's right. See, in 2020, 2021, you can do that because it didn't matter what you did. Anybody, everybody was making money. Mm-hmm. You can't do that anymore. And if you continue to do that, eventually you're going to get bit in the butt, right? 
Definitely. Um, we're going to bring this back because I, we can go down this, this deeper, but I want you to share your story a little bit more. So yeah. you met your husband. And then what? Did you like? Was he already into money? Did no, you my goodness, have, yeah. he comes from a very poor family in Siberia. He's the first person who went to college in Siberia, and he graduated. And he was supposed to go to the Russian army, which he really didn't want to do. So he applied to three hundred American universities from Siberia, from the dial-up internet, and he wrote him a letter and saying, "I don't, I don't have money to pay for an application fee." And two colleges in the United States accepted him for an MBA program completely free with a graduate assistantship. So he had to work for a professor to help him with undergrad students, great, whatever, whatever, but his, college, but his uh, education was paid for. So, um, so yeah, he worked really, really hard to become who he is. And um, so when we got married, we moved to San Francisco, rented an apartment. We lived at Opera Plaza for 20 years. <laughs> we lived in a bunch of different apartments there because we kept getting kicked out because somebody was selling the condo. Oh. We'd have to move. And we loved the building so much. So we, we rented three units and we bought the last, the fourth one. And um, after about a year... He said to me, do you, and it was, it was 2004, everybody was buying real estate. There was, a, you know, everybody, it was, it was, everyone was interested, you know, market was getting hot. And he said to me, we looked at a bunch of condos. I remember we looked at 250 or 260 King, one of those buildings. My husband was like, this looks like a hospital. I don't want to live here. Yeah, yeah, terrible <laughs> I still building. hate that building. Yeah. But uh, he said to me, do you want to travel and invest or do you want to buy a condo? That was his question to me. And I said, I want to travel and I want to invest. So uh, we sold his car, his baby blue um, 325 BMW. Loved his car. He sold his car and we bought our first property. First investment. Where was that? The property was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, back home. Yeah, yeah. That's where I actually bought my parents' old house because they had bought a different house and they sold their house to us. So we owned that house for about a year and it was a total disaster. Albuquerque is not a good market. It wasn't back then. I don't think it is now. I went to Albuquerque. It's it's just not a good market. (laughs) Let's just say that. And we moved over to Texas. Okay. So we moved over to Texas, to Austin, Texas. First first properties we uh, owned, we actually built them from scratch. And to a point, we thought of everything as if we would live there. My husband even bought um, a lawn mower for, for the tenants. Of course, they never mowed the lawn. No. They never watered no. it. And they stole the, <laughs> the lawnmower. lawnmower. They probably sold it, yeah. <laughs> so, and then, you know, that's, that's how you learn. I'm like, okay, you don't do what tenants which you would do for yourself so you just buy more and more basics and then we kept buying 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 more and more properties and eventually we moved over from texas because in texas the prices let's scratch the covid but um because there's so much land you can you can build in all the way to freaking oklahoma right yeah and there was never the uh, the properties were uh breaking even but they weren't really getting uh they weren't really growing out growing in Appreciation. Appreciation. Sorry, I lost the word. They weren't really appreciating, right? So um, so we moved over to Wisconsin. Oh, wow. And Wisconsin has been kind of a gold mine, a little gold mine. So duplexes, uh, quadruplexes, multi-units, a duplex, $125,000. Till this day? Some today they're more like closer to two hundred, one hundred seventy. Still affordable under the median uh, household number. But each rents for about nine hundred dollars to twelve hundred dollars. Wow! So imagine, and you yeah. and then you have a lot of those. So let's break that back because 
you, you did something that is what I tell people on the podcast to do is just to start because everybody's afraid to start because they're afraid to fail. And it, and, and most of the time is when they're not an instant success, they stop. Mm-hmm. You just said right there, you bought your first property in Albuquerque and it was a disaster. So I want to break that down a little bit. What were some of the hardships and what was the actual disaster? What made it bad? Um, well, what made it bad is that, first of all, we had the quality of tenants. Okay. The quality of people that lived there, we had no idea who we're getting. The guy was a cop and he had his wife and then there was a girlfriend and there was all kinds of drama in the house. They didn't upkeep the house. And they just pretty much, after they moved out, they, they destroyed the house. We spent so much time and effort and it wasn't really cash flow at all. Yeah. So, and then w- that the problem is, is people understand when they buy one, one doesn't do, one investment property does nothing. It's the scale, right? Yep. You have to start buying more and more. And the way you do it is you, um, you refinance it, right? Yep. As soon as it goes up in value and you pay it down somewhat and you have your, uh, down payment there, you refinance it and you pull money out and you buy a next one. And then you re- years later refinance too and you were able to do that from 2004 up until last year you you could easily do that because market was at through 2008 did you lose any property in 2008 no 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 actually all of our properties we were owning in texas back then they all did really well yeah good did really well but um but then we had kids right and uh, as as just a couple we didn't need cash flow we were both working full-time jobs we had plenty but with kids, you need cash flow, private yeah. schools, uh, <laughs> activities, chess club, soccer, this, this. It mm-hmm. adds up so quickly. Yeah. And then you have the nanny. you got to have a full-time nanny. We've been always fortunate to have a live-in helper. And that costs money, right? So you got to start cash flow. The jobs are no longer enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we made the move to Wisconsin. And uh, that's where things got so much better. <laughs> How many units do you have today? Without naming the exact number, but in the tens. That's all you need? Less than a hundred, like but... Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. So in your first year, you had about one property. Uh, and then the second year, did you guys double up? Or what was that like? You know, I can't recall at this point. It's been 20 years. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was... I think in, at some point in Texas, we had eight or so. Mm. And then we... 1030 sold them, 1031 them into Wisconsin. And then in Wisconsin, we multiple, multiple times we bought and sold and traded and whatever. Got you. Know, so that first year definitely was just the, the trials area. And Absolutely. then after we the second no year, it was just we like, let's go. Like, I let's remember go when full. we were dating, he would come, he would come visit me in Albuquerque and he'd bring this binder, no money down. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I want to graduate college and I want to get a really nice job and I want to work at an office. And I was, I've always set myself up to that. I've never thought I could be an entrepreneur. I never thought I could work for myself. I never thought I had never had an idea of what I would do. This all came later. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, and now going, cause I know Ina a little bit more is that while she was buying the properties, she still had a job. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And so, People think that you have to be an entrepreneur and all that stuff. But for those of you who are listening right now, and you guys work a W-2 job, don't just go out on Friday, Saturday nights, drinking, partying, buying the cars, because you think you have stable income. Invest. Yeah. Buy properties. 
and look, today, then you can go and mess around and go to Dubai. And yeah, yeah. Stay. She only stays at the nicest hotels. Yeah. Five stars and up. I did my research. I saw. That's it. Nice life. I like it. Uh, but there's a hack to that as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can go yeah, into We can go into so many different things. But Credit card hacks. I mean, yeah, we are going to spend money on, on maintenance. And so, yeah. but that, I mean, we're going to go down that. So I want to tie back because I want to finish your story of, of, and get to where you are today because it's a remarkable story. You, at this time, it's 2004, eight. You bought mm-hmm. properties. You have a lot. At what point did you make that switch from, you know, uh, a basically a W two employee to now being self employed? I was I a W two employee until twenty sixteen. That's important to hear. I want people to hear that. You know, real estate has always been an investment. It's never it was never the money was spent. The more uh, property appreciated, we refinanced it, but more and more and more. So it, it's we only lived on what we made. Mm-hmm. Right. So in 2008, I quit my accounting taxation job. I used to work with Deloitte for many years, and I really wondered for a long time, what is it I'm going to do? And I decided to be in real estate. And in real estate, um, I didn't want to be a real estate agent because I've always uh, looked down upon the real estate <laughs> agent job. I thought it was like some kind of a service job that you know, it's like a, almost like a waiter. And all due respect to real estate agent, I am one myself, and I could not have been more wrong. But I went and I, uh, I became an unpaid intern at a real estate investment company that was buying, based in San Francisco, that was buying apartment buildings all over the country. And they, I worked for them for free for four months. And uh, then later on, they started paying me a little bit more, a little bit more. And I worked for these guys for five years. I can underwrite an apartment building anywhere in the country on the back of the napkin. I know what the costs are. I know exactly what we what needs to be done. I've managed, uh, asset managed large office buildings all over the country. And then eventually they bought a building in San Francisco, which they needed somebody to lease and manage. And I started doing that, and I loved leasing. I love meeting new people. I realized that I was born to be a saleswoman, a salesperson. I love meeting new people. I love showing them the property. I love selling it to them. I love uh, um, countering their any arguments they may have uh, in a creative way. And it was it was a huge. That building was a huge success. Huge yeah. success. Yeah. Today, we, we sold it's it. A mess. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> there's homeless everywhere, but it was a beautiful building, warehouse converted. Um, but before we move on, I want to I want to just hit a couple key points that she hit here. Number one, she worked the W two job. So for those of you guys out there thinking that you have to be an entrepreneur to do great things, do big things, you don't have to work a job, invest your money. I really to, like what you said too. Yeah. Um, you know you. Just going on the the full time part, right? You don't have to be a full time entrepreneur. You can be a part time entrepreneur in the beginning. Like it's okay. Like use the days that you have. You know, there's no reason to. You know, especially if you're somebody who has kids and you know a family, to just go drop everything and just risk it all. Yeah. You know, take your time and take your own pace when it comes to this journey. But put in the work for sure. Yeah. You know, well, we, we didn't have, have kids, days. so we had a lot of free time. Mm-hmm. So why not? Why not invest? Why not learn mm-hmm. new things? Why not travel? Why not? You know, we didn't have, we were married for 10 years before we had our older son. So we spent a lot of time sort of building that nest before we brought the baby bird into it. Yeah. (laughs) But the second point that I want to make is that she invested the money. And then basically by the time she quit her job, her taxation job, which she probably didn't really like a lot, she had enough probably bringing in, right? 
to where you weren't worried about money. Yeah, it was a it was a difficult moment actually. It was two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um, so, but you know, we we had enough and we spent minimally. Yeah, we couldn't yeah. travel for for some time during that year very often. Uh, but but it was. I think I hated that job so much. It was every time I, I had a P, they gave me a PDA. That's when the sort of like the personal advice came out. Every time it beeped, I had a nosebleed to a point Ooh. that was, it was that bad. Um, I didn't see myself in there. It was not interesting. And you know, the worst part is I spent, we spent days, hours, I don't know, 80 hours a week redoing taxes for a large corporation, without naming names, a ma- major corporation here in San Francisco. And when we presented the, our findings, save them millions of dollars, when we presented our findings to the tax director, he looked at it, he went, huh! And I thought, holy shit, this, I spent 80 hours a week for the last several months. And I did, what, what I did doesn't matter. So no, because I not really their money. wanted to do what affects people's lives, what yeah. matters. So when I bring the top dollar in rent to my clients right now, that makes a huge difference to them. And I yeah. love that. So invest so that you have the option to say F that job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The second thing that I wanted to bring up that I want to just really hit home is that she applied after she quit that job. She applied to, I think, four firms. I applied to 40 companies. 40 companies, sorry. And four of them responded with an interview request. And uh, And she worked for free. I worked for free for free. To learn. To learn, yeah. A lot of you guys, number one, don't want to do it because you guys, you know, have pride and ego. Mm -hmm. The other reason is because you guys can't quit your job because you guys spend all your money. Yeah. And you blow it every single weekend instead of buying property, saving money, and investing so that you have freedom and options. Yeah. That's the message yeah. that I wanted. You know, when she said that, if you guys just end the podcast here, take that advice. Yeah. Right? I think that's really big. I think to anybody out there, all the listeners, if you want to get into a bigger room or elevate your life, you're going to have to do some work for free. I mean, to me, that's the one way that I can guarantee that you'll be in the place you want to be. Yeah. And, you know, drop your ego down. Maybe you don't know, but you have to sell it to them. Like, hey, I'm willing to put in the work. And that's when now it's your duty to to do what you said you were going to do. And that's what I tell to a lot of new agents. If you can get yourself in the room with top producers in San Francisco, fetch coffee, shred Whatever the hell you need to do for them. Yeah. I don't know. Dust their listings. But being in the room at a listing presentation with somebody who is a top, top, top name is invaluable because you listen to the way they converse with the clients. So you listen how they deal with situations. Just having them in that room. I've been on listing presentations as as a leasing agent with some of the top names in the industry. And I've picked up so many of the things for my business because everyone is very different. And you just take a little bit here, a little bit here, you know, that, you know, that phrase from someone else or the way someone handled that conversation and you take the best from them all and you combine it and you adapt it to yourself and it becomes your personal style and your personal brand. So big. I think that's really powerful. And I, I love that it's a message to not everybody can do that. Not everybody can afford to do that. But if you can, mm-hmm. 
in any way you can, just scale down, move in with your mom into her in-law unit downstairs. Yeah. But it will set you, if you're starting in real estate, it will set you years ahead of everyone else. Yeah, I mean, that's with everything, right? And and so every, if, and even using my personal life experience, people think that my every year got better. Like with realtors, you were trained to be like, okay, I did 5 million my first year. Next year is 10. The year after that's 15, then 20. If you looked at my career, it was like rough, rough, rough. And then it went to, I think the best year was 37. The year after that was, it dropped down to like 27. Because sometimes you have to take a step back to go three or four steps ahead. Mm-hmm. Because when you're building, it it's hard to grow and build at the same time. It, something's going to break. But people are so afraid to like see a decline mm-hmm. that they, you know, but, but they fail to, again, they fail to see the big vision because they're only thinking one step ahead. Yeah. But if you actually see and you plan it out and life is kind of long in a sense that it's okay for a year to have a bad year or a growth year or a building year. It's only one year. I mean, some people don't, don't, don't see it that way at all. Well, that's why you got this podcast and you guys are here to listen and I'm here to bring <laughs> on a, a new perspective. Sometimes like a slingshot, you have to go back before it can shoot forward 40, 50 feet. The further back you can pull it sometimes, the further it goes. Same thing with your life. Take a step back. Move back in with your parents. Return that expensive lease you have, that BMW. You don't freaking need it, right? So that you can invest in the business, invest in yourself, go work for somebody for free, go learn, and then take that knowledge so that you can then really reinvent yourself, rebrand yourself so that you can now start doing the luxury stuff or just just do bigger deals in general, right? To truly sit down and think about what you want out of life and be in tune with uh, yourself. Yeah, that's really big. Uh, I think to all the listeners, Ina and Brian just dropped some real big gems out there. And um, I was just motivated hearing that too. So we're going to take another transition. Okay, so now we're transitioning. You worked for this big company for free. And in 2016, why? what made you decide to quit? and pursue the next chapter in your life? So at one point, I uh, went to a SFAR event, and I met one of the managing brokers for one of for Zephyr back then. And I told him, look, Pacific Union has a leasing department, and Climb, there were these companies back then, have a leasing department. Why doesn't Zephyr have a leasing department? And he said, yeah, he said a couple of drinks, but then he goes, why don't you start one? So I did, and I moved to uh, came. I came to Zephyr, had my license with them, and I started to bribe brought my clients, and I was getting clients from uh, referrals from there, and then Compass came calling in 2018. Oh yeah, yeah, and they made an offer. Obviously, I couldn't refuse. They inv- I was one of those agents that was invited by, by special invitation before they started buying everybody, and they felt like they needed somebody, um, a dedicated leasing person for the office because everybody kept asking, who's our leasing, who do we who do we like, who do we trust? Because agents are very um, particular about who they give the business, who they refer the business to, right, because it's right. really important to keep the client in your sphere of influence but not do the leasing work for them. A lot of top agents talk about it. Uh, Tim Smith recently talked about it. You want, you never want to lose that client. You want to keep them um, in your, in your, in your orbit, but don't do the work yourself, obviously. Yeah. So I came in as that leasing only specialist. 
I don't do sales. I've never done sales. I've the only time I've done sales is I've represented myself on the purchase and I don't even represent myself on the sale because I don't want the liability. I don't know the paperwork. I don't, that's fine. I'd rather pay somebody. Right. Um, so, so leasing is my specialty. In 2016, my husband came up with an idea of leasing agent 415 because 415 is a San Francisco area code. It kind of roll out, rolls off the tongue yeah. easy. And it really describes what it is that I do and where. Leasing agent 415. Because if I went in a Rubinchuk real estate, how am I different from a realtor who yeah, sells? Yeah. It's it, I don't stand out at all. Right. And I sort of started building this whole brand around it. Um, we had a logo created. And little by little, it's these, it's the photo shoot, it's the video, it's uh, conversation, it's, uh, you know, I would, I used to write all these blogs as to five things to watch out for when buying investment property, mm-hmm. or when is a good idea to bring a leasing agent into a conversation and things like that. And then later on, I started making videos out of that because that's content. Right, right. So I built this whole brand and I, uh, when Instagram came along, uh, well, it was, it came along before that, but in 2017, I, I decided that, well, it's time for me to really show who am I, what am I about and kind of weave in the personal life, sort of like the woman who has it all and, you know, has a family and the kids and juggling all these things and, you know, building a brand and family and travels came later, but uh, that's what I wanted to, to show. And then I started watching other people doing it on Instagram and how they do it. So I created this uh, specific flow where there was a quote, it was a picture of me and a picture of the real estate Mm. that I represent, right? And then it got old and now I'm doing this whole chessboard thing where it's property, me, property, me, property, me. So if you follow me on LinkedIn, well, on LinkedIn, on Instagram and um, or LinkedIn, uh, you will see it's got a lot, it's, 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 it's nice visually yeah. um, because I think that Instagram is your private vanity fair. It's your private magazine where you broadcast what you want to broadcast, how you want to broadcast right. it. And you can do photos and videos and so many different things and put mm-hmm. music on it. And it's a creative way of um, showing who you are because a lot of times people, when they're searching for leasing agent, if mm-hmm. you Google leasing agent, San Francisco, I show up organically. Number one, Wow! thanks to the SEO that was done. And I met the guy who did the SEO for me. He was driving me from the airport in the Uber. Oh, and wow, we started wait. talking. He was listening to Gary Vaynerchuk. And I was like, who's this? And he started telling me about Gary Vaynerchuk and what he does. And the next thing I know, next day, I hired him to do the SEO oh. on my website. <laughs> Who's the SEO? Oh, for the website? Yeah. Not for hers. Yeah. For okay. my website. Awesome. So now, if you Google leasing agents in San Francisco, mm-hmm. I show up organically. Number one, skip all the ads. Leasing agent 415. So a lot of business comes through there. Mm. It's an honor. Uh, it's an honor to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that's been, and then being a part of Compass, um, I get a lot of referrals. I've yeah. spent a lot of time giving away. It's it's all about giving information away, helping people, not yeah. asking for anything in in return. But they know they've asked my they've asked me a question. They've got their answer. They know they can rely on me. Then they know that I'm there to help. They've given me clients and the clients were happy. And it it's it's like a snowball effect. Mm-hmm. You get a little right. snowball and now it's a, it's an avalanche of, of, of business coming of my way. I, I love it. Uh, we owe it. We're big advocates that social media is huge, especially in this day. And I wanted to ask, since we're on the topic of social media and branding, do you, and now you, you work with very high-end clients, you know, with the leases, would you, th- do you think that without a personal brand or you 
being on social media, providing value, do you think you would have as much clients as you do now opposed to if you didn't even worry about social media? Not at all. What I've realized is that at, at one point I thought I'm doing putting so much work into social media, mm-hmm. I'm not really getting any, any result out of it. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that my clients aren't landlords. Mm-hmm. My clients are realtors. Ah, yeah. And that was eureka moment for me when i realized that i should target the them mm-hmm. so i started following all real estate agents i i comment on their on their on the properties they list or on their stories whatever anytime mm-hmm. somebody has question answer i always make sure to ask a question or to give them my opinion on something if they have a yeah. polar and you know uh, interestingly i've um somebody referred a client to me and I emailed back and I said, oh, thank you for thinking of me. And she said, who else am I going to think about? Every time I go Instagram, I see you. You're always in the stories. You're always doing something. You're always talking about something, showing something. And I cast a very wide net. All my videos, they go on YouTube. They go on TikTok, Mm -hmm. which has been, it's a completely separate conversation. It's, it's been mind-blowing mind-blowingly good for me yeah (laughs) uh it goes on instagram it goes on linkedin it goes on google my business so are you built i built this huge it's 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 a puzzle right so you put all these pieces together and when somebody's searching for me even if they were referred to me they still want to they look me up and they see you they see all these channels and they see all this information and by the time they talk to me they already hired me in their mind by the time I show up to just look at the property, they're standing there with the keys in hand. Yeah. We know what you're going to do. We've seen what you're doing. We want you to do the same for us. Mm-hmm. I had a guy hire me off of TikTok. <laughs> and I awesome. said, what yeah. did you think when you saw me in TikTok? He said, I want my property to be marketed this way. Awesome. There you go. I love it. And the cool thing is that you have to, I mean, uh, if you're just starting out, just pick one. Yeah. But the, re- but, the beautiful thing is, but when you're on all these platforms, because certain people gravitate to that certain platform, mm-hmm. so you're not doing yourself a service by only putting it on one. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a big Instagram and YouTube guy, but if you had a Twitter, I wouldn't even click it. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. have a Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you had a Facebook, I probably wouldn't click it either because I don't really go on Facebook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but being everywhere, your clients are able to see what you are, who you are, what you do. Basically what it and is. different your, clients see you on different, on different. Somebody will see me on LinkedIn, yeah. and somebody will see me on TikTok. Yeah. yeah, right. And why not? Why not? It's the same content. And then they see you everywhere, and they just keep thinking about you. Yeah, exactly. They don't know where they, they don't know where they saw you, but they know you, and they trust you, and they see your work. They know what you stand for. They know who they're gonna get. Yeah, because it, you basically through video and through social media, you remove that uncomfortable mm-hmm. feeling. Yeah, and people see you. On their own terms. Yes. So it, mm-hmm. it's not like you send them uh, a letter of the heart or whatever, weekly update, whatever, and they and they and they they, they get it when you want them to get it. They yeah. go, they put their kids to bed, they have a glass of wine, they sit down on the couch, open their phone, their Instagram, right. whatever, and you pop up. Mm-hmm. And you may not need leasing right now, but you you you, you see me over and over. I. I you know who's I a come good up, source. And they're like, oh, okay, so what's, go, what's going on now? So I have people who follow me specifically on TikTok because they want to see, oh, I love the series. I love, yeah. what do you want to see what $8,000 can get you in San Francisco? People dig it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. real estate porn for them. Yeah, they love it. Yeah. I just walk around in different outfits. They People talk, comment on the, out, on the outfits. Where is this from? And who, yeah. where did you get this? And whatnot. Of course, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hate. I have a... 
a, a video. Lot of work, though, but, but I have a video working. that has almost three hundred thousand views. Jeez. Mostly, yes, mostly hate comments. <laughs> How <laughs> dare you rent so much? Oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. San Francisco people hate it. They're like, but that's three thousand. That's four thousand. But I love them. I love my haters because Damn. they increase my visibility every oh, yeah. time they leave a comment. Yeah. I am. I am. The algorithm's like, oh, this yeah, is cool. This is interesting. It Show yeah. it to more and more and more people. Yeah, whatever. It's usually a good way to know that you're doing something. Exactly. You know, you're doing something that someone's gonna exactly talk about you. So I honestly like she's on the podcast, and if I were to think of leasing, I only think of her. There's nobody else no, doing definitely. it. Definitely. Um, I really like everything that you said. I my my biggest takeaway is that. You know, you're saying that you're using all these platforms, but on top, I think a lot of people overlook the engagement part because where I remember you from is you, you have been in the comments of a lot of people and you've been in the comments of our channel as well. That's how I remember. That's how it stuck with me. And I think it's just simple, (laughs) right? It's like just dropping a comment, even whether it's putting your opinion or even like a great job. So it's a lot more way. comments. That's exactly what I, I, I'm writing down. <laughs> I wrote that in my comments. notes. So thank you, Ina. <laughs> uh, all right, let's transition to the next part. Yeah, I want to ask actually one oh, more question since we're on this topic. Um, I want to go back to the higher end clients, like mm-hmm. the luxury leases, to all the realtors out there. How does one go from the standard typical client to somewhere where you're at? What's some advice you would give them if they want to have higher end ticketed, you know, items like leases. I think it's really important to, uh, what, what I've done is when mm-hmm. I joined Compass and I went to Beach Street office, which is very heavy in top producers. Mm-hmm. You have your word there. You have multiple, multiple names. Mm-hmm. You go and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to walk up and say, hey, this is who I am. Amina, I do leasing. Um and it just, just, just so that they know who you are, they will eventually have some kind of a question regarding leasing and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll call, they'll find you, they'll call you, they'll email you. And once you, you do one transaction for them, you give them a nice referral fee, uh, and they can just, it just keeps coming. Mm-hmm. It just keeps coming. It's incredible. One thing that she does is that when, again, to deal with luxury, let's say, let's say, let's not even use luxury because the viewers out there, let's say you want to work with, I don't know, uh, an athlete. Okay. Where do they hang out? How do they dress? How do they talk? Right? Yeah. You have, she screams luxury because guess what? When she travels, luxurious. Mm-hmm. The, what, the clothes she wear, the way she speaks, the way she presents herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It appeals to that higher end client because... Yeah. They're comfortable with her. They have a relatable interest. You know, that's very important. Actually, I tell that to a lot of uh, agents who start. When, and I touched base on this earlier, a lot of times people think of a realtor profession as somebody who is a help, somebody who's help. And sure. when you are treated as help, you'll always be help and you will not be very much respected. So yeah. You need to, when you make that first appointment, show up. And make them make sure that they feel like you're equal to them. I drive up in a nice car. I dress well. Mm -hmm. I smile. I have a great conversation. I research these people ahead of time, who they are. I've had a guy who really wanted to hire me, and he's he's just, I felt like he needed something just just to to clinch that that deal. And I researched him ahead of time, and I found out that he used to be a partner at Deloitte. 
and I worked for Deloitte, and I told him in our conversation, I said, oh, you know, we were riding an elevator, and I said, well, this career is way better than my previous one. He goes, oh, what did you do before? And I said, I work for Deloitte. Boom. <laughs> His eyes lit up. He knew, because he knows that somebody who works at Deloitte will will produce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are trained to client service is is. Is, is the most important thing you can you can you have to you have to stay late doesn't matter what you do but you have to deliver a perfect product to a client his eyes lit up he hired me on a spot so i do a lot of research so that i can weave that into the conversation yeah. but you have to look the part you have to talk the mm-hmm. part and you can never come across desperate people yeah. sense that from a mile away and you know what it just if you don't want, and I, I'm not the kind of person who follows up very often. Yeah. I'll talk to you. You you need me. You want to hire me? Mm-hmm. Here you can find all that information about me on online. I can email it to you. Yeah. But you call me when yeah. you need me. I'm not gonna be the one. Oh, what's going on? Uh, updates. Are you ready? Shall we? Shall we go see this property? Shall we? No. You need me. You call me. So when you have that respect from people, because I work with very, very high end people, mm. I work with major CEOs, you know, a lot of landlords in the city, um, very wealthy, very no well known people, and when they treat when they treat you as an equal, it's mm. a it's a different conversation. They trust you, and they refer you. I, I want to talk about that because some people don't do it correctly. Yeah, how do you treat someone like an equal? When they're, and actually, this is actually pretty important because you do, I mean, you probably deal with people with a network of 100, 200 million. Let's say you're not worth 200 million. How do you show up as an equal? I think that's a great question. I want to know. That because people want to know. Well, first of all, uh, you dress well. Mm-hmm. You, even if they are not dressed well, doesn't matter. You dress well. You show up very, in a very professional manner. You show up on time. And you, I think it's really important to start with a compliment or a joke. Always make yeah. them laugh, yeah. make them smile, make them like you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very important. And once you have that established, I am very straightforward. I don't know if it's cultural or not, but I just say things how they are. And I am, and the people appreciate that. They, people who are my, and we can talk about this later, the affirmation that I do for myself every year, but I'm very specific as a clientele that I want. I want somebody who's savvy, who is busy mm-hmm. means that they need to hire me because they don't have to in time to do this mm-hmm. they i want somebody who's very decisive and these are the people who have a lot of money so when they need to make a decision i need to make it easy for them to make a decision yeah. so i come in and i'm like this is what you need to do to get this property ready uh, ready for the market here this 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 and this call me when you're done and do you need let me know if you need any trades to get the stuff done and people appreciate that so i'm very kind of clean cut fast easy and i make it easy for them to make a decision they appreciate because i reflect them i mirror them Mm -hmm. quite a bit Mm -hmm. and i think that's how you you know i think the answer to the question is really you mirror them because end of the day yeah money is great they're higher network and all that stuff but you shouldn't let that be the because if you know, most people think of that, they're like, "Oh, well, how am I supposed to? How am I yeah. supposed to be equal to this two hundred million dollar guy?" For sure. Well, you show up and you, you know, you gotta obviously be very knowledgeable in what you're selling, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's easy because she has that. She did yeah. the research, but also it's the confidence. Yeah, maybe not that on paper, but internally, internally, you I'm, have that twenty million dollar personality. 
you may be the best CEO of your pharmaceutical mm-hmm. company. Uh-huh. I'm the CEO of leasing properties. Yeah. Like I am that For sure. person. For sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you show up, you're confident, you're ready. And that's how you show up as an equal to like them. That. And interestingly enough, the the more expensive the property, the easier is it for them to make oh, a decision yeah. to hire me. Oh, yeah. People yeah. with three thousand dollar property ask three thousand questions. Mm-hmm. A guy with a five million, ten million dollar house, he just hands me the keys. I like it. Yeah. Sh- should uh this is and the Man. same thing on the tenant side, people who rent $25,000 homes, they make a decision like this. It's easy for them. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to go look at this unit and that home and this and this. Mm. First of all, there aren't that many homes in $25,000 category, right. so they have a choice of three, and they are very fast. They appreciate that. Gotcha. Should people uh, rent the Ferrari when meeting up? No. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. So no don't no. go broke trying to get business or, or you know, to impress. That's not, like, that's not how you show up as an equal. But it, it but you know. people can tell that it's not your Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, don't don't. I mean, don't. But show up in a clean car, and if you don't have a nice car, for you guys listening, Uber. Oh yeah, yeah. Exactly. Just Uber. Yeah, it was good. I mean, like, hey guys, it's. I mean, especially San Francisco. You, like, your car's not even parked in front half the time. Yeah. Exactly. It's down the block. Yeah, it's understandable. You know, so or. <laughs> but how you present, how you walk up, you smile, you shake their yeah. hand, yeah. you nod. There's so many things, and then you you tell them exactly not what they want to hear. But what, but what they need to hear. That's because right. I tell them, look, I can tell you all kinds of things here and sugarcoat to a point of diabetes, mm-hmm. but the market will tell you the truth and it's going to be far more painful than me telling you the truth right now. Mm-hmm. Painful, mostly financially. That's like right. That. I thought those were some uh, big gems, guys. So ultimately, come come and, and show your value. Show your value and, and you know, if you can't do it on paper have that $20 million confidence in mm-hmm. the way you carry yourself presenting to these new uh, higher agents or higher clients. That's right. So PJ, what's the, what's the, what's the dining question? I know you wanted to ask, what's the most expensive home you've leased? Boy, <laughs> you know, interestingly, I set a record for myself okay. first year in the business, Ooh. 23 grand for the six man, six man plaza penthouse. Those are I numbers, still guys. have Big not numbers. beaten that damn record. After so many years in the business. It's not your fault because the rental market kind of took a... No, but it's been great for the last couple of years. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I have a $25,000 in the market right now. So on, on, No, Petrero rented for twenty. Ooh. But for Petrero Hill, twenty grand. Are you kidding? That's a lot. Awesome. That's a lot of money. I would love to see some of your uh, of your listings too one time. We should go tour and go check them out. That'd be awesome. I mean, we could go see a lot of homes. We can go see a hundred million dollar home. But exactly. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I'll take me with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll go. We'll do a YouTube video, a long Easy. YouTube video on that. I want to talk about uh, the manifestation part. Oh yeah, let's do. Because you're big guys. on that. Mm-hmm. You know, you basically manifested your way to millions. I've worked my way, well, you but mean, I've yeah. also manifested. It's, 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 uh, <laughs> it come hand you, work. you can't I know, do I know. one without the other. There's I don't a, think you can do one. There's some people who are all manifest, manifest, manifest. Yeah, but you can I write stuff down and yeah. you can think about it. And if you don't do anything, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. So how do you do it? Let's, let's walk through it. So how do you manifest? So do you write I, things down? Or I do, do write things down. So for years I used to do uh, a mind map, which is a huge sheet of paper, mm-hmm. probably, I don't know, this massive, uh, and you draw your life you draw your life this is where i want here this is what i want here you put it into sections however you want to do there's actually a woman who does that for a living mm-hmm. um she helps you um she helps you really get all of your true wishes on paper that. it's incredible i i can sh- i can show I you, know you a you picture could charge for that 
Yeah, she charges <laughs> for that, and she literally draws. Draw, he, she pencil draws it for you, okay. and then you go home, and then you trace it, and you color it, and you cut. It's like therapy, and you <laughs> cut things out of magazines. I used to do that, and everything. I have a, um, a mind map from twenty eighteen. Everything that I've put on there has happened. I everything. It. I love it. Everything, even better. Some things were even better. Like I wanted to buy a house, and I bought something better than just uh, a regular a house. house. That's great, yeah. though. I think it's really good, though, because... But I think you need to be really specific. On your mind map, do you actually have, like, a... a so you map out what you want, but do mm-hmm. you actually go in and write down how you're going to get it? Do you do that? No. No? No. You just say what you want, because really the way the universe works, how is not your concern. It's mm-hmm. the universe's concern. What mm-hmm. is your concern? Mm. Yeah. It sounds really. I, I like because the way if the you universe it. will give you tasks and challenges, you want a Ferrari, but it will give you tasks and challenges for you to get to that Ferrari. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you. It's not, not going to give you a Ferrari, but it's going to give you ways to earn mm-hmm. that Ferrari. I like it. I like the way you view manifestation because yeah. you seem like you very have it. Manifestation on one side, and you have your action plan on the other side. Mm-hmm. This is meant for like your dreaming, your visioning, like all that stays in this place. But when it's action time, it's more concrete, like realistic. Let's get there. I like how you like separate that. I think it's really important too for new entrepreneurs or people who want big goals. Um, because I know Brian, you don't do too much like this anymore, and maybe you. Either well, because I know what I want, anymore. but I actually have I I actually so I actually have a blueprint on how I'm gonna get there, mm-hmm. right? So I actually have to go in and say, okay, I yeah. want that Ferrari, mm-hmm. and then the I actually work on the how because it's. I'm like, okay, well, a Ferrari costs $250,000. I have to, this is how much I need to live. This is how much I need to invest. So this is how much more I have to make Mm. to put away the $250,000. And and when it comes to being an entrepreneur, and before it was being a realtor, it was just a matter of, okay, $25,000, my median check, my average. Mm -hmm. So I need to do 10 of these. Mm -hmm. 10 more of these on top of everything else because you don't want to just buy a car and be broke. Yeah, you have but, to set a higher goal than yeah. what you, for example, my goal, as I said earlier, was to get out of San Francisco every chance I get, but mm. all my trips, that it, it takes a lot of money. So if I can, ha- if I can reach that goal, that means I've reached every other goal, right? Mm. All the things that it means I've rented enough properties. I've uh, bought enough investment properties. I've done all the things correctly. I've exercised. My health is in check. My wealth is in check. So I can do that. But when you dream of higher things, all the things that you have to do that you may not like to do, they become sort of trivial, basic things like brushing your teeth, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't concentrate. Oh, I have to make cold calls. So I have to go door knock or whatever it is that you don't want to do. You just, you just do it and it's, and it you don't think about it. Right. So, because you have that. And I learned that from Sarah Blakely. Ah. I, I watch, so I watch a lot of master classes. I do a lot of, I watch a lot of podcasts unrelated to real estate completely because interestingly enough, you get these brilliant ideas, these just, just gems yeah. out of people that, that you can apply to your, to your life. Definitely. Because you can listen to a bunch of real estate experts all the time. None of them are right anyway. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you'll just be you'll just be polluting your own head. Yeah. You don't want to do that. Well, you heard it here. You heard it here, guys. You manifest and you focus on the bigger picture, the little things get dragged up, you know. That's why you it's good to have a big vision. Not small. That's what they always say, shoot for the moon. Mm-hmm. Land on the stars. Yeah. Is yeah. that what they say? 
I, I mean, yeah. I don't know. The stars I'm just, I'm just than the moon Shoot now. for the stars. <laughs> just, land on the, the moon. moon. You like, guys get the point. I'm not, you know, yeah, I'm not yes, here to sir. quote everything, but you get it. Because if you only go so, like, like if you dream too small, and I, sure. and that's one thing I preach all the time is dream big, and screw everybody else because they're gonna tell you like, oh, you, you know, they, who are you to dream so big? You have to dream big for sure. I I think personally, dreaming small yeah. leads to very quick like depression. Um, yeah. I was in a place where, you know, my biggest dream was like to move out of my parents' house and, yeah. you know, to quit my nine to five job. And then right when it happened within like a year, I thought it was going to take like 10 years, but it happened like in a year. And that was like the, the one of the darkest like times because I was like, I don't even know where to go. Like I was like, I've done everything. And that's when, you know, it was a blessing to be around like Brian and like bigger thinkers. That's like, oh, I opened up this uh, world of, you know, no limits, more of just dreaming big. So dream big, guys. Dream big and uh, don't don't think small because it's gonna limit yourself in the long run. So and, be, and try to be happy because happy people don't get tired. Mm-hmm. Happy people do what they like, what they love to do. Happy people don't procrastinate because when you love what you're doing, you don't mm-hmm. procrastinate. You don't get lazy. Mm-hmm. Laziness and procrastination is your body defense against mm-hmm. you doing something you don't want to do. You shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. It's not your goal. Mm-hmm. Right when you are when when you are stuck somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're probably not supposed to be doing that. Your subconscious is not letting you go there, mm-hmm. right? So find that niche for whatever yeah. it is you want to do, and you will not be there. There will be no obstacles. Mm-hmm. It will be in the flow. As we started this conversation, you yeah. will Start be in, the, in flow. the flow. Yeah, listen to your body, listen to yourself, listen to your mind. Mm-hmm. Wake up in the morning and just lie there in your bed and just listen to what's going on in your head. You will get. You would get, you will get clues. You will get mm-hmm. ideas because you know a lot of things already. You've learned a lot, mm-hmm. uh, so just l- start learning from yourself at this point and listening to yourself. Yeah. your subconscious will tell you what you need. I love it. I love it. I I just want to take a minute to say, you know, like I think you very successful and you're crushing it in the game. I think the way that you built your personal brand to cater for the lifestyle that you want and for the clients that you attract and all that, uh, you do it so well. I just wanted to congrats, congratulate you on that. And I want to ask the question, um, a little personal question, but how is like the traveling side of, of, you know, your brand and, you know, your life? Like, how is that? And like, what does that mean to you? Well, I love a sh- lot of short travels. I can't stand going away for three, mm-hmm. four weeks, leaving yeah, out same. of a suitcase. I can't do that. I need a reset every month or so just a couple days like this thursday yeah. we're going to whistler to ski just my husband and i oh nice we're, we're sick of our kids we've spent the last month with them and we just need just just the two of us mm. and uh so i think it just it's a change of scenery a change of um perspective and it kind of opens up your mind and quiets your mind at the same time so these trips are really really important at the same time you know i want to give i think traveling is a is a huge part of education in general because yes. it opens up your mind. It, you know, my kids saw uh, these Bedouin kids in Egypt recently who were begging for food, mm-hmm. and we gave them some crackers. We went and bought crackers and gave it to them. It was the happiest thing ever. Wow. They've never, I don't think, they have ever been able to afford those crackers. It's amazing. But my my boys who are flying business class and living at the Ritz Carlton, you know, they they see that and they're like, yeah. oh, this is real. Look at how dirty he is. Look yeah. at his clothing he's wearing and look at his mom and dad sitting right there not giving a shit not taking him to soccer and flag football and fencing classes yeah Yeah, so they need to they need to appreciate that and so to me travel is a huge part of it and again traveling 
is expensive, yeah. but there are so many ways to manage that. For example, there are, there are credit cards you can open. They give you points, right? Yeah. Uh, we lived uh, in Singapore for five days at Westin, five star for free. Yeah, yeah. Marriott points, yeah. right? So you, you you open a credit card and you spend three thousand dollars to give you one hundred fifty thousand points. Mm-hmm. That's two business class tickets. Yeah, international, depending on how and when you fly and and where, but you can do that. So and also my husband, uh, God bless him, he is incredible at finding amazing deals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you guys, you guys can do all this, but let's. But you, you know, have to be smart about yeah, it. Be smart yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah everything yeah. you do. If you just go to Google Flights and, and try to price out the kind of fl- the kind of trip we had, that's like fifty thousand dollars at least. Yeah. No yeah. way that costs that much. Yeah, not so, a chance. You know, we can go down traveling, but I, you know, this isn't a traveling podcast. And, <laughs> and we can go down credit card hacking, and maybe we'll get a credit card person Definitely. on here to talk Definitely. about that. But the main thing is this: you want to travel. Some of the best lessons I've learned in life is traveling to. You don't get countries. rich without getting on the plane. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Uh, we're going to end the podcast soon, but I won't end it without asking you, what's next? Continuing to living in the greatest number of quality days. Mm. Enjoying, really savoring it, taking the time and enjoying my clients. I don't have a goal that I need to make this amount, uh, this amount of money or I need to rent this many properties. I want to be happy. That's my goal. I'm going to be very picky as to who I work with, who I take on as a client, who I don't, who I help and who I don't limit, just make space, a physical and emotional and mental space around me as beautiful and as delicious as I possibly can. That's, that's the plan. I love it. I love it. And let's just wrap up and do one more last question. Any advice, Ina, to the listeners, you know, we're here big on helping people and trying to elevate people's lives and get them to the next level. What's some advice for someone out there who wants to do things similar to you or even on the scale, you know, big scale of dreaming big? What's some advice you would give to them? Stop wasting time. Fuck Netflix. TikTok, delete TikTok. (laughs) You know, read books, listen to podcasts. Anytime you're doing something, if you're cooking, making Mm -hmm. dinner, listen to something while you're Mm -hmm. cooking dinner. Uh, spend as much time learning, absorbing, and not only in your in your business, everywhere else. You will get these, again, gems from all kinds of different points, from, you know, from people in marketing, from people in real estate, from people in science, from anywhere. And you can apply that and you can, you, there, you take the best out of everybody. You know, I listened to a masterclass by Silverstein and Goodby. They are the guys behind all the best commercials uh, for the halftime for Super Bowl. And they said to me, and they said this one really important thing. They said, don't borrow, steal. So steal yeah. ideas from other people from various points in life mm-hmm. and bring that together, apply it to yourself and create that one perfect puzzle that works just for you mm-hmm. i love that awesome guys so that's a wrap thanks again ina for coming on the show and providing a lot of value to our guests and listeners so everybody also go give her a follow leasing agent 415 on instagram linkedin TikTok. i think everywhere everywhere, everywhere. you'll find we'll it. put it down in the <laughs> put it on box. put it on google you'll find her on google her seo is great absolutely. Too, so. absolutely thanks again uh we'll see you guys on the next one thanks for listening See you guys later. Bye. Peace. Peace. Thank you.